This is the Become an Unstoppable Woman podcast with Lindsay Preston, episode 95, Find Fulfillment. Welcome to the Become an Unstoppable Woman podcast, the show for goal-getting, fear-facing women who are kicking ass by creating change. I'm your host, Lindsay Preston. I'm a wife, mom of two, and a multi-certified life coach to women all over the world. I've lived through enough in life to know that easier doesn't always equate to better. We can't fear the fire, we must learn to become it. And on this show, I'll teach you how to do just that. So join me as I challenge you to become even more of the strong, resilient, and powerful woman you are meant to be. Let's do this. Hi there, Ms. Unstoppable. Welcome to another episode of the show. Today, we are talking about how to find fulfillment in your life. This is a topic I am coaching my clients on all of the time. Literally all of the time. Every single time we are coaching it is because they want more fulfillment in their life. Yes, do they want to achieve stuff? Absolutely. Yes, do they want to feel better? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, it's really about fulfillment. So funny because, oh gosh, I think it was last year, 2020, I was thinking about redoing this podcast a little bit. And I was just getting a little like antsy with it of, should I still be called Become an Unstoppable Woman? Because I do so much more than just helping someone become quote-unquote unstoppable, right? And at the time, a name that I was considering was changing it to Fulfillment Finders. <laughs> I know, you might be like, Lindsay, it's a horrible name, right? Um, but that's really what I'm doing at the end of the day is, again, I'm helping people find fulfillment because so many of my clients, they come to me and they have a good life, if not a great life. And It's not like they're in all of this pain. Now they are suffering a little bit because of their mindset, but it's not like it's a horrible life, right? Most people will be like, why is she hiring a life coach kind of thing? Yeah. But they're coming to me because it's like, damn, there's got to be more to life than this. Like I remember feeling this way from a really young age. Even as a kid, I was like, man, there's got to be more to life than this. And so I thought, okay, once I leave my parents' house, then I'll find it. I'll find it when I'm at college. And then I got to college and I was like, no, still feeling like it's not that fulfilling. And then I got my first job. Nope. Found my, you know, quote unquote dream guy. Nope. And it just kept going. Every box that I checked of, you know, these great successes that we all deem in society, right? It's just like, man, I felt empty. And by the time I was in my mid to late 20s, it was like, oh my gosh, if this is all there is to life, then I don't know what I'm signing up for. And again, it wasn't like my life was bad. Now, granted, I had the divorce in there and the double life with the man and all that stuff, right? And so that's what shocks people is like, oh, she she was in such a bad place. And it was hard for a few months, if not, you know, a year or two in there. But at the end of the day, if we take that away, I still just wasn't fulfilled, even when I had, again, a good life. And so 
this is common, my friends, you know, high achieving women especially feel this because in our society, so many people think, oh, well, I'm not fulfilled because I don't have a lot of money or it's because I have this health issue or it's because I haven't met the guy. So it's like, again, they haven't checked off a lot of boxes in their life and boxes meaning just like these typical boxes that we tell everybody will make you quote unquote happy and quote unquote successful. And so when you don't have those, you tend to just think, oh, well, when I have them, that's when I'll be set, right? But for those of us who have them, it's like, damn, is this it? Like, I thought I would be feeling better by now. And so today we're going to dig deep into that of why you feel that way, how to overcome it, and how to find deep fulfillment instead. And I'm talking deep. Like you just feel like, man, I love my life and I love all of it. I love the good, the bad, the ugly, because I just feel so deeply fulfilled. You ready? It's pretty cool. It's a pretty amazing place to be at once you're there. So fulfillment, what is it? Well, it's different to everybody. And I could sit here and look up the definition and let's do it. You're going to hear me type because I want to see... What does Webster define this as? Fulfillment. Oh, the achievement of something desired, promised, or predicted. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. So we look at it from the basic definition of, again, the achievement of something desired, promised, or predicted. I would kind of define it as you have achieved your desired life. And this is the problem with women and why they don't feel fulfilled is they're typically living a life that someone else has desired for them. You know, I just mentioned these typical societal boxes. You graduate from high school, you make good grades, you go to college or university, and then, you know, you start a career and you move your way up the corporate ladder or whatever it is, right? And then you meet the man and la, 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 la. Yeah. And so what happens is a lot of times they're just you know, checking those boxes because many of us are taught that we have to be quote unquote good girls. We have to follow the rules. We have to be quiet. We have to respect our elders, which are great qualities. But we also want to teach our children, especially our young girls, to listen to themselves, to trust themselves, to speak up and be heard, know what their desires and their passions are. You know, I see this so much in my daughter. And I'm not going to take credit for it that much. I mean, obviously, she sees some of that for me. But she is a master at knowing what her desires and passions are. Like, if she wants to eat something, she just knows it. Like, Mom, I really want waffles this morning. And she'll go and she'll make her waffles. And it will be a whole experience of how she does it. And she'll even, like, create these little side things on her dishes. She'll cut up her strawberries a certain way and just make everything look so beautiful. And... I get so inspired by that because granted, yes, she's 10 and we are more like that as kids, but I have lost some of that. And it's been a very intentional practice for me to go back to that and to say, oh, what do I want? And to slow down and kind of live in that desire and that passion and that pleasure that she just seems to do so naturally. And I'm just so glad that she is in a space where she can do those things and she feels comfortable to do those things because many environments growing up as a kid, we know we're just trying to, in essence, survive. 
you know, we may be growing up in an environment that's not that healthy. I know in my household, it was not always the best. My mom is very emotional. We were walking on eggshells a lot. My dad was present physically, but emotionally was not. And so I didn't feel comfortable to be myself. There would be times when people would leave the house and I would turn on music and I would dance. And that's when I felt most like myself. But the second people came home, I turned that off. Or if somebody entered the room while I was dancing, God forbid, I shut it down real quick. And I did not want them to see that at all because I just didn't feel safe with them. And then if we take it to even more extreme in some households, you know, there's there's deeper abuse there or they're just so busy trying to make ends meet. Like I think about my husband growing up, he would, didn't have a lot of time and space to live in pleasure and joy and figure out what he wanted. They were just trying to pay the bills and he was doing a ton of chores around the house every day. And when he was older, he was, you know, delivering newspapers and cleaning offices at night and really working on his running game because he was a cross-country runner because he knew one of the only ways he was going to go to college is if he had a scholarship. And so he had to turn off, again, like what he wanted and what he desired in his life. And so when I'm working with somebody in a coaching agreement, meaning they're my client, I'm their coach, I'm trying to figure out what is it that they want. And so they come to me and they do a life fulfillment assessment And you've heard me talk about this many, many times on the show. So basically, we're just taking every area of their life and they're ranking it from one to 10. And I ask them, you know, like sub questions on each section. So like if we think about relationships, one of the questions is, how would you rate the quality of your most intimate relationship? How would you rate the quality of your work relationships? How would you rate the quality of your friendships? Right. And so it goes on and so forth. And so from there, you get these scores of how fulfilled are you in that area of life? And then I asked them, what would be a 10 life to you? And what's so interesting is that as I work with somebody, especially if we work longer term, like beyond the typical nine months I work with somebody, if they're working with them in my Living the Dream program, where it's just kind of ongoing maintenance. And so we're doing this exercise over and over again. Every year, especially, we're checking in on it. But every quarter, we are too their vision expands. Like what they once dreamed of, they start to obtain. And then it's like, wow, let's go bigger. I mean, I've seen this happen in my own life. If we just look at career, I know I've talked about this so many times, but it it fits here. When I went to my coach, my very first life coach, and I was a client, I said, I just want a job that I love, that, you know, makes me feel good because I'm so tired of just feeling like, I was slowly dying a slow death at work every day. And if I can have that and just have it minimally pay my bills, which at the time I think was like 32K, I will be so happy. And then I hit that. (laughs) And then I was like, okay, well, now I have a job where I help people. Wow, how crazy is that? And then it was like, okay, let's see how much more money I can make and more impact I can have. And it just, it keeps getting bigger and bigger, right? And granted, I'm so fulfilled now because I got really clear on what my base level of what I wanted in my career fulfillment to look like. Because again, that was for me just having a job that I enjoyed and I could pay my bills on a basic level. Because anything after that was just like sugar on top. I was like, man, I help people and I can make more than 32000 a year. Great. That's awesome. You know, I was just joking with my husband. We went to Missouri over Christmas to see his family. And we go through kind of a country area of Missouri 
where there's lots of smaller homes and trailers and things of that sort. And I turned to him and I said, you know, I think I would be pretty happy even if we lived in a trailer. And I reminded him of that because so many times him and I get so wrapped up in hitting certain goals, especially financial goals. And at the end of the day, fulfillment really doesn't come from that stuff. It comes from this inner place. And I will tell you, one of the most fulfilled times I ever had in my life was that time when I was going through coaching as a client for the very first time. I had very little money to my name. And I was so happy because coaching was teaching me all this inner work to start to feel different. And that's when I started to feel fulfilled. It was almost like, I don't know, when you get like your first kiss or, you know, you have a first of some sort. It's just, it was so exciting to me to be able to feel so different and what seemed like a very short amount of time of just a few weeks because I was tasting what fulfillment felt like to me for the very first time. And so again, for everyone, it's going to be different of what fulfillment looks like to them. But it, it starts with you getting very aware of what you want, what your desires are. And a way that I help my clients do this, if they don't already know, is we do something called the puzzle of them. And we take a lot of assessments. They take a values assessment, a strengths assessment, a way of thinking assessment, so many others, a needs assessment. I can't think of all of them, but those are the ones that come to mind. And we start to look back and say, okay, based on these things, here are what you value. This is the kind of lifestyle that you would probably most enjoy. These are your strengths. These are the things that you're going to want to do day in, day out because they feel so natural to you. It's going to feel like you're not even working or you're not even really using any effort because, again, it's just so easy for you to do these things. And this is your way of thinking and this is how you process information. And so if you can set up information to come at you in this way, again, it's going to feel so easy for you and you're going to be able to maximize your brain to its highest potential. And then I'll say, and here are your needs. And so right now, these are the things that you feel you need the most in order to live a very, you know, not only comfortable life, but a very thriving life, a fulfilled life, right? And so we go on and on. And again, there's more puzzle pieces there. I think it's something like 10 or 12 pieces that we do. And so that starts to teach them just from a logical perspective of, hey, based on these assessments, here's what likely a fulfilling life is going to be for you. But as I've said many times over in this podcast, the other thing I'm teaching my clients is listening to themselves. And the best way we can start to listen to ourselves is to have someone hold space for us and ask us questions and dig deeper and say, here's what I'm hearing that you're not seeing. Or do you realize that you say this, this, and this, and and seeing the connections and then seeing their brain from outside of them. But then also allowing them to shed the layers of that societal programming and to let those things go. And it's not just society. Most of the time, the biggest society we have is our immediate friends and family. They're the ones programming in as much as possible in our brains because we're around them the most, right? And so many times they mean well and they want us to have fulfilling lives. Like what parent says, man, I can't wait to mess up my kid today. I know it kind of boggles our minds sometimes when parents do certain things or anybody does certain things. It's like, why would you do that? Obviously, that's going to be really hard on somebody, but that's a different topic for a different day. It'll get me all fired up. 
But I like to think, you know, deep down, everybody means well, especially our parents for the most part. Okay. Don't fight me on that because let's just say for the most part. And so they're saying, okay, here are my beliefs and here are the things that have worked for me so that you can go out and have a successful, fulfilling life. Right. And so I know for my parents, they were really programming into me, the corporate ladder is the way to go. It's like, you get a job and you just stay there and you just, you know, work hard and you keep working your way up and that's the way to do it. And when I went against that, it was so hard on my brain. It was like, Lindsay, oh my gosh, are you going to mess up your entire life here? You know, you you have these good jobs, these, these opportunities here in the corporate world. Why are you turning away from that? Entrepreneurship isn't a guarantee. And so it, it took a lot for me to really dig deep into that. But I was glad that I had those two skills, that one of having that puzzle of me in essence of like, okay, this is why this is so important to me because I have a value of freedom. And it, and that's why I felt like I was rotting a slow death at work because I'm just, I just felt really caged. I'm meant to be somebody who can make my own schedule and do all those things so I can feel free. And then two, I was able to know enough to shed that societal programming and know it was just programming and it wasn't as big of a threat as my brain made it seem when I was taking those first steps to go in a different direction. So just know it's a process to get to this fulfillment, but it does happen faster than you think. With my clients, I have seen them have life fulfillment scores when they start with me. They're typically around like six to eight in all the different areas of life. So they're they're pretty fulfilled, right? Like a 10 is the highest and that's, you know, where we want to go. And so I'm like, okay, six to eight is saying like you're, you're surviving and you're just on the tip of thriving because thriving to me is eight and above. And then by the time we're done working together, most of the time, those scores have gone up from eight and above. Now they may have a few lingering areas that are below that because maybe we really focus in on finances and relationships, but then, you know, their health is something that they need to work on next. So it's not a perfect, you know, eight and above, but overall, everything starts to improve because they're just going through the coaching process, which is naturally one that's built for finding fulfillment. And fulfillment, again, is what they desire most, not what other people desire most, what they desire most. One of my favorite stories was actually one that was shared on the podcast. It was Sierra's coaching story where she came to me and she had an engineering background. That's what her degree was in. And she just could not find fulfillment at work. And it was seeping over into her private, you know, personal life. Even after she became a mom, she's like, I thought this would be better than what it was. And what happens too is when we think it's going to bring us more joy, fulfillment, whatever we want to call it, and it doesn't, it's almost like even worse of a feeling of like, man, I thought I'd feel better and I don't. And then so then we start having even more thoughts about it. Like, what's wrong with me? Why don't I like this? And then all of a sudden, like all this kind of shame and guilt piles on and criticism of ourselves. And it just takes it to a whole nother level. Like I remember even after I became a mom, I hadn't started coaching yet with my daughter. And I was like, man, I'm supposed to be happier. I'm a mom. And yeah, granted, there are hard days and I really love her. And I love aspects of being a mom. And I'm so glad I've done this. But 
why I still just don't feel better. And I, you know, again, there's like that wave of guilt and shame there of, oh, you know, what's wrong with me? Or I wish I could enjoy this more. And it's so funny because Sierra and I have talked about, she's like, man, I wish I would have found this work before my son was born. Because I think when we were working together, he was about four. Because she said, I would have enjoyed his first few years more. And I was like, oh, yes, I totally agree. Because now I know being a mom with my daughter who's 10 and my son is two, you know, obviously I did the work between the two of them. And the way that I enjoy my son is so much different than when I enjoyed my daughter the first three years because I just didn't know how to feel fulfilled. I just was, again, like doing all these shoulds. Like, this is what a mom should do. She should be like this and she should do like that. I just had all the societal programming making me feel like a robot. And I just thought, okay, well, this is what everybody says is, a you know, quote unquote, good life. Why, why does it just feel like I'm never enough and it feels like this life is never going to be enough? Like, God, am I just high maintenance, right? So anyways, going back to Sierra's story, she came to me, she was an engineer. And as we just started to pull that puzzle of her and put all the pieces together, I was like, Sierra, you are not built to be an engineer at all. Now, granted, you can still rock an engineering career and we can modify it in a way where you are going to find fulfillment if that's where you want to go. But you're going to still need to have some of your strengths and your values met elsewhere. Otherwise, it's going to feel like a part of you is not alive. And so it took a lot of soul searching for her over a span of really just a few weeks of her deciding, do I want to go back into engineering or do I want to pursue something else? And as you know, if you listen to that podcast episode, she decided to pursue something else, which fulfills more of that puzzle of her. And granted, does she have hard days at work? Yes. Does she think sometimes like, whoo, maybe I'd make the correct choice? Absolutely. But overall, she's like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I did this. And especially as she's passed this transition piece of having to do some schooling and such, because she's going into nursing now, um, then she's going to just have this life that's going to feel a lot more fulfilled for her. Now, at the end of the day, even if we set somebody up, for their puzzle of them, as we call it, right, of all their value strengths, et cetera, and we shed some of that societal programming, there still is mindset work involved. The brain is always going to focus on what's wrong. It's always going to see the problems and everything. It's going to question the hell out of you. It's going to find criticism to throw at you and of other people. And that's where, you know, I mentioned in Sierra's story, she has hard days because I'm still coaching her. She's in my Living the Dream program. She has moments where she's like, oh my gosh, But she has the tools to coach her mind through that. And she has me, too, to coach her so that she can look at the thoughts that are presented to her from her brain and say, is this really what I want to think right now? And then she can intentionally decide, okay, do I want to think something else? And she has enough information about herself and she has enough trust in herself to know, oh, okay, is this truly a thought that I want to think? Or is this really something that my brain's just throwing at me that's a bunch of bullshit? And so she can decipher one from the other. And two, because she has that puzzle of her, she doesn't have to really question, you know, why things feel the way they feel because she's like, oh, well, I know why it feels this way because 
you know, I have this value or I have this way of thinking. And so, you know, this is why this problem is coming up for me because I prefer information to be like this or I prefer to feel like this. You know, I'll give you a real world example there. After I had my son, you know, he was a planned pregnancy and then, you know, I felt like I quote unquote did it right. Like I got married first with him and in a relationship that I wanted to be in. And then when I had him, I just kept feeling all this anxiety of like, oh, like I love being here with him. And I'm so grateful I get to be at home because I took a year off of my business and I was nursing him from my body that whole year, which was not an intentional choice, just happened to fall that way. Um, And there were just these moments where I just felt this anxiety of like, oh, my God, I got to get out of here. Like I need freedom. But because I knew that I valued freedom so much, I could calm those feelings down and just say, whoo, Lindsay, this is just your freedom coming out. You're not fully living in this value right now because you've got a little one that's basically attached to your breast all day. It's okay. And I was able to kind of coach myself through that without my brain spinning in, what's wrong with me? Why do I feel this way? And going into this whole thing that was going to consume my mind, bring me down, make me question my whole life, right? Because that's what I do with my daughter. Such a waste of time. (laughs) So grateful I have these tools now. And so again, then it's just like, okay, I can calm myself. I know why it's there. And then I'm able to kind of move on and get back to, you know, living that fulfilled life. Because really, at the end of the day, fulfillment is just a thought, right? Like we decide, in essence, when we're taking that assessment of a fulfilled life, we decide what does a fulfilled life look to us? And then we just think thoughts along the way of do I like this or do I not? You could have a totally crappy, unfulfilled life, but if you went in and decided that you were going to see it as a fulfilled life, you could. And I'll give you another example here of what I mean by this. So I recently set a goal that I want a 10 marriage and 10 mean like my most fulfilled marriage. Okay. And where I would rank my marriage at the time when I started this goal, which was about in August, September of 2020, was like, well, we're like at a seven, eight. And some days it feels a lot lower than that when we're like going at each other, (laughs) meaning like there's just tension between us. And I was getting coached on it one day and the coach said to me, you know, you could just decide you have a 10 marriage, right? And I was like, damn. (laughs) I mean, I had to sit there for a minute and just like think about it. I was like, you are so right. I could decide right now I have a 10 marriage and just choose to look at it in that way of having a 10 marriage, right? And again, I had my list of what a 10 marriage looked like and I saw where my husband and I needed to go to get there. But because I had decided then from that place that I have a 10 marriage, you know what's happened? I've gotten a 10 marriage so much faster. And granted, it wasn't a thought that set in overnight. It's one that's been slowly programming in my mind since that day I got coached, which was, gosh, I think two or three months ago. And it seems like every week that goes by, I accept that thought more and more of, I have a 10 marriage. I have a 10 marriage. And then all of a sudden again, it's like, wow, look at all the things that that are in my marriage that make it a 10. How incredible is that? And it all went back to me changing my thought. Pretty cool, huh? So I offered you many different things today from that puzzle of you to the shedding the layers of society to let that go to get fulfillment to deciding you have fulfillment to 
managing your mind along the way so you can, you know, get back to those feelings of fulfillment. Take what you love here. Know I'm always here to help you get that fulfilled life. Again, this is what I do all day, every day. So reach out to me in my free coaching application if you want to get started on the coaching process. I would love, 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 love to help you achieve your most fulfilling life. It brings me no greater joy in this world than to give that to my clients. So link always in the show notes and on the outro. And that's it. That's all I have for you today. So I will see you back on the show next week. Bye, my friend. Hey there, Miss Unstoppable. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode. If you enjoyed it, share it with a friend. Send them a picture of this episode via text, via email, share it on social media. I'm sure they would be so appreciative to know these strategies and tips on how to accomplish your dreams. If you are ready to guarantee you're going to accomplish your goals and dreams, then it's time to start coaching with me. In my nine-month simple success coaching system, I am going to walk you every single step of the way to ensure that you get the goals and dreams that you want. The first step is to apply for a free 60-minute consult call. Just go to lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y, epreston.com forward slash apply to get started. As always, my friend, remember... You're only as unstoppable as you believe you can be. So believe in yourself. You got this.